0: Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, JP, and I am here as always with Father Chuck. What's up? And Amy.
1: What's up, everybody?
0: And uh, Matt is not here at the moment, but he should be joining us later. I hope he joins us. Because, guys, I I, I feel like, listen, I don't want to, like, toot my own horn or anything. I don't want to. I don't want to get like egotistical, but I kind of feel like I feel like I, I feel like I chose probably one of the best albums in of music, Mayhem. <laughs> uh, whether you, you can agree or disagree, I don't. I don't know, but that's just my opinion, and and I hope Matt shows up because I would love to have everyone present to sort of uh, tell me how great this album is.
2: Yeah, you, you 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 seem to have not only have you found a great album. I think you have you you may have we have may have witnessed you discovering like your new favorite band.
0: Yes. That is something that has happened. Uh that that yeah. Yeah. That that's exa- that's exactly what happened. A new favorite band, a new favorite album. Uh I enjoyed discovering this like immensely. And um I guess we'll we'll get into it. Uh, I don't really know what else to talk about at this end of the
2: this end of the episode. Besides just like jumping into, it. you guys just want to jump well, in. Well, one one thing you you I mean obviously our I mean I would think that our viewers would viewers and listeners would know what you're talking about, but you have not actually named the album yet. Oh, that's well, the name <laughs> for, is... all, for all they know you could be talking about like Power, Power Man 5000's you know, <laughs> uh, Night of the Stars. Talking hey. about Baby One More Time or Britney Spears. Who else? <laughs>
0: Uh, <laughs> best album ever made, guys. Come on. The enemy loved it. Um, no, we're talking about Definitely Maybe, uh, the debut album of Oasis. Uh, British, British band that you probably know from uh, Wonderwall, right? The, the, which is like a
2: yep. meme now. Which is, yeah, it's one of those songs that is, that is very frequently drunkenly sung in bars. If you haven't heard of Oasis.
3: Listen, I've got £87 million in the bank, I've got a Rolls-Royce, I've got three stalkers, I'm about to go on the board at Manchester City, I'm part of the greatest band in the world. Am I happy with that? No, I'm not! I want more!
0: Oasis were an English rock band formed in Manchester in 1991. Developed from an earlier group, The Rain, the band originally consisted of Liam Gallagher on lead vocals and tambourine, Paul Bonehead-Arthurs on guitar, Paul giggsy McGeegan, and Tony McCarroll. Upon returning to Manchester, Liam's older brother, Noel Gallagher, joined as a fifth member, which formed the band's core and settled lineup. In May 1993, the band heard that a record executive from Creation Records would be scouting for talent at King Tut's in Glasgow. Together they found the money to hire a van and make the six-hour journey where they played a four-song set that impressed creation founder Alan McGee.
2: on stage, and I sort of like um, stood here with my kid sister, Susan, and I was pretty drunk I'd had, by this point, about four or five, double Jack Daniels and Coke, so I was like a bit wavery, you know. They came on stage and they played one song and it was like, it was great, but I was drunk and I was drugged and I thought, oh, it's probably because I'm drinking and taking drugs. And then they played two and I thought, God, this is really good. And then the third one, it was like, I'm going to do it.
0: McGee then took the live demonstration tape to Sony America and invited Oasis to meet him a week later in London, at which point they were signed to a 6 album contract.
4: While Oasis are by no means a one-man band, creative control does rest in the very capable hands of guitarist Noel Gallagher. As the group's sole songwriter, the pressure is on him to keep coming up with those catchy, beatles esque melodies, and in typical Gallagher fashion, Noel's not shy about expressing his own musical tastes. I don't think music should be clever, or or be avant-garde, or
3: or artistic. I I hate art in music. You know all this pompous art rock like Sonic Youth and all that, like sticking guitars in dustbins, and, you know, and playing them with screwdrivers and that. I mean, fuck that. Let's rock.
0: The album went on to receive widespread critical acclaim, with many critics and listeners welcoming the album's fearless optimism, particularly in an era of rock which was dominated by American grunge, which seemed at odds with the album. While also praising Noel Gallagher's songwriting and melodic skills, along with younger brother Liam's vocals.
1: Cause I just wanna fly lately Did you ever feel the pain In the morning rain
0: I soakked you to the bone And maybe
1: I just wanna fly wanna live but don't wanna die
0: Keith Cameron of Enemy called Noel Gallagher a pop craftsman in the classic tradition and a master of his trade the only equivocal thing about definitely maybe is its title everything else screams certainty the fact is that too much heartfelt emotion and ingenious belief and patent songwriting savvy rushes through the debut oasis album for it to be the work of a bunch of wind-up merchants it's like opening your bedroom curtains one morning and discovering that some f***ers built the taj mahal in your back garden and then filled it with your favorite flavor of angel delight yeah that good I guess Angel Delight is a British thing. I don't know what that is.
3: <laughs>
0: is it like Turkish Delight? I don't know. It's Maybe it's like Angel Cake, right? I
2: don't know. Hey, something we have not done in a while on this show. What? Let's figure it out. Let's figure it out. <laughs> what is Angel Delight? All right. Are you, are you... I am looking, I'm pulling up the Wikipedia machine. Um, angel Delight... Uh, also known as Angels Delight, is a powdered dessert product produced in the United Kingdom. It is designed to be mixed and whisked with milk to create a mousse-like sweet dessert. Okay. It was released in 1967 by the Birds Company in a strawberries and cream flavor. So I'm guessing it's pretty good, right? Is that? Yep. Is that yeah. Okay. It featured strongly in Wallace and Gromit, and that's what made it very popular Ooh. in the 90s, 80s and 90s. Well, well, that and that. Well, that's how good. Definitely, maybe
0: is. (laughs) Uh, Definitely, maybe was. It's as
2: good as obscure British dessert.
0: Yeah. Uh, Definitely, maybe was an immediate commercial success in the United Kingdom, having followed on the heels of the singles Supersonic, Shaker Maker, and Live Forever. The album went straight to number one in the UK albums chart and became the fastest selling debut album in the UK at the time. It went on to be certified seven times platinum, which is 2.1 million plus in sales. Definitely maybe marked the beginning of Oasis's success in the United States, selling over 1 million copies, uh, despite only peaking at 58 on the Billboard 200. The album went on to sell over 8 million copies worldwide and brought widespread critical acclaim. Uh, Definitely maybe helped to spur a revitalization in British pop music in the 1990s and was embraced by critics for optimistic themes and supposed rejection of the grunge music of the time. The album is regarded as a seminal entry of the Brit pop scene and has appeared in many publications' list of the greatest albums of all time. In 2006, the NME con- conducted a reader's poll in which definitely maybe was voted the greatest album of all time.
3: Mm.
0: I think I picked a winner is what I'm saying here. I, I think, you know, if we had like a best of music mayhem,
2: just saying, you know, I don't know you're competing with like rumor. <laughs> you're trying to compete with rumors here, man. And The
0: Beatles. I know I was, you know, <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> and Chris Cornell and everything. Okay. So, uh, all Simon. Yeah. All right. So since this is my episode and it's, it's a, it's my album. I'm going to go into why I chose this album and, uh, um, my relationship with Oasis. So my relationship with Oasis and definitely maybe, um, is about, uh, I would say three weeks old um, <laughs> I've actually I've never been a fan of Oasis um, I always kind of sort of wrote them off as sort of like like dad rock something along the lines of like U2 or Coldplay you know um, and I know I know how people feel about U2 I, but
2: that, that's just my personal opinion
3: <laughs>
2: Um I'm Sorry I, I, to interrupt you, but I, I really want to find out why you thought they were dad rock. I
0: think it's just, I don't know, when I hear Champagne, Supernova, and Wonderwall, to me that's, those songs are, I think, I think are very different from like what's on this album.
1: Mm, I think it's mostly because they played those artists more so on VH1 than MTV, I think and that right. like did something to us. Like if it was on VH1, weightier than MTV, yeah. And
2: <laughs> see I cuz the thing for me is I I, I mean maybe it wasn't before I don't remember but I remember as a kid every time the Wonderwall video came on I was like super excited. <laughs> I loved I loved that song. And uh, maybe maybe I'm just a sucker for dad rock, I don't know. But I I don't know. I we'll, we'll I'll talk I, about my, my my relationship with Oasis in a little bit, but I don't think it's dad rock now. I don't think it is. Right. I mean right, even well, though I mean it's, I just, it's, it's 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 just a fascinating It's a fascinating thing to me that, like, based off those two songs, I guess I could see if that's if that's how you thought their entire sound was. Yeah, I could see you're going with it. It's just it's because me being like knowing all three of those bands you just described, I'm like, Oasis is nothing like them. I mean, you know that now. It's like it's just kind of funny to me that that's (laughs) yeah. That's well, it just shows you
0: the familiarity I have with them, which was like not nothing, just just those two songs. And also, yeah. like, you know, I'm very I, – I remember when Champagne Supernova came out. That's why I was, I was, like, really obsessed with MTV at that age. And I just remember seeing Liam Gallagher. And he looks – in that video with his beard, he looks 30 years older than he actually is. I think he's only, like, in his 20s, like his early 20s in that video. He looks like he's, like, 50. <laughs> and I don't know. I just always assumed that it was, like, yeah, just, this is this is dead right. Uh, but, no, I, I was wrong. The point is I was wrong.
2: <laughs> oh, wait. I, I, I...
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, I follow this video essayist. His name is Patrick H. Williams. Everyone should go out and watch his videos. He talks about movies. He's also a filmmaker. Uh, his videos are great, and he did a video on music biopics and why they're not very good. And um, in the video, he, he talked about like his sort of dream biopic. If he were to make one, he would make one about Oasis. And this is kind of like the first time I ever heard anyone talk like real kind of fondly about Oasis. He's kind of told their story. Uh, he talked about why he's such a huge fan of their of their music and um one thing that kind of stuck out to me he talked about their unplugged uh event where like Liam Gallagher couldn't sing and so he just like walked off and then it left Noel by himself to do everything by himself to both do the lyrics and 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 the guitars mm-hmm. and then Liam got drunk and went to hang out in the balcony and just started heckling him the entire for the rest of the episode
1: oh,
0: no uh, it was
2: it was it was a beautiful it was a, it was it was i watched that <laughs> really and oh, my God. yes and it was a it was it was it was one of those few times when i was watching mtv as a kid when i could when i could that i got to witness something that i was like that's that's music history like i'm seeing yeah. <laughs> something historical happen right, right now yeah
0: yeah and i was so i that was that was what really grabbed me i was like okay these two are awesome <laughs> because not only it, it was, it was hilarious as heckling. I'm also kind of like, it's kind of a dick move on his part, but at the same time, Noel like still kept his composure and just kind of went with it. And mm-hmm. It's because, you know, they're brothers. So he, like, he's used to it. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah,
0: to <laughs> but like he, he kept his head and he still delivered like a really great performance, even though Liam is just being a hole. Um, so that, that grabbed me. I'm like, these guys probably have an interesting story. And so I just kind of went through the discography and, uh, you know, of course, I was familiar with Wonderwall and Champion Supernova, um, and uh, but I, it was their first album that really grabbed me because it was so raw, and it was so like, like what what I feel like is so what I like the most when in terms of like rock and roll. It's everything is so in the moment, and it was made when they were like nobodies and they had nothing, and like they're recording in these horrible dingy studios and. They don't. They had no idea. They're like the next day they were going to be like legendary rock stars. You know, they were just kids making music. Um, so that's and that and then I just kind of gained like a whole new respect for the band and they kind of became a, a favorite band, like you said, Chuck. And then I found out they broke up ten years ago. And I'm like, oh well, okay. <laughs> I had this pension for getting a favorite band after they've either one of the lead, lead singers died or uh, the band is broken up. So I'll never get to see them.
1: That's my thing, too. Uh, that's really? my thing too. Yeah, you
0: don't get to see him live. Sorry. Oh, well. Well, Liam, Liam Gallagher is coming out with a, a solo side project, so, uh, or a solo project, so we'll see how, we'll see how that goes. Um, so that's my relationship with the album. Uh, why I chose it for this, for, for Music Mayhem. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that, like, <laughs> I won't lie. I felt a little... I don't want to. Be, I'm not trying to get like serious about it, so I'm trying to think of a more lighthearted way to put it. I felt a little, uh, uh, I don't know, like I, I feel like last year I had failed Music Mayhem by picking oh. by picking an album that was so divisive. And I know like the the, the the point of Music Mayhem isn't to like everyone be pleased. The point of it is just to kind of go on a journey and experience and give our thoughts and that's it. But, you know, Foo Fighters is, is like a was like a, you know, last year I chose The Color and the Shape by Foo Fighters. And, you know, it, it's something that meant a lot to me, and I love, like, all the songs, and I could speak about every single song on an album, but that's just because I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. And it kind of was sort of a lesson in that, like, just because, like, something means a lot to me, it doesn't mean it's going to mean a lot to everybody else. You know, they're not always going to see what you see, and you're probably not even going to be able to convince them. Um, and also, Dave, Dave Grohl is Adam Sandler.
2: I, you've been harboring <laughs> this wound for a year. I, I've known it. I've known that. I felt it from you. I've, I've empathized and understood that because I was the one who said that that he's the Adam Sandler of music. And I know that that, that that hurts you a little bit. And what I was trying to say is that they make perfectly good, serviceable rock and roll music. That's all I was trying to say. That wasn't meant to be an insult. And it was yet- meant to be that they have their their their, their niche. And... But here's the thing I I do want to mention about that, JP. I've realized something in the past year since that, and particularly with this music mayhem. And I talked to you a little bit about this um, uh, the other day in 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 one of our own conversations, and that is, I listened. I I used I owned that CD when it first came out, and I loved it. I don't have the CD anymore. Um, so when I was listening to, uh, calling the shape last year, I listened to it on Google play mm-hmm. and I've come to realize that music like that does not translate well to the streaming platform. Right. Pretty much any rock music that I've tried to listen to on Google play. Cause that's the, that's the only streaming thing I support or I, I, that I, that I subscribe to. And it's only by virtue of the fact that I, that I pay for YouTube, um, pro, uh, premium, um, is that so the way streaming technology works it compresses the, the file and so it has a tendency of flattening the sound there's less dynamic dynamic. so like all the instruments are kind of at the same volume and so it just has this sort of a flat quality to it yeah. and one of the things, if you go back and listen to that episode I asked everyone how they listened to it and you and Matt both listened to the CD Patrick and I had both listened to it on streaming I listened to it on and, YouTube oh okay well, but you also have listened to it a lot, so I think yeah. that that's there's a factor there. I hadn't listened to it nearly as much as you, but I have found that this year as well, like I had I had a similar hard time getting into Audio Slave um, because I listened to it on a Google Play, um, and um, and there was another rock album recently I was listening to that I just didn't like when I listened to it on streaming, but when I've listened to them in a more you know conventional recording format, I've liked them a lot more. So I think there's a factor there for me hmm. is that. Is that streaming is bad for music, um, and uh, I don't know if it really is or not. But um, well, sure maybe maybe lost. older music. But I think that's a but I think that's a factor, and even with um even with definitely maybe like I noticed a serious lack, like I had to listen to it pretty loudly on headphones hmm. to really kind of hear what was going on in the album. It makes me want to have the CD, so I think that there's a factor there in my in my. In my attitude about, about that from last year And so I don't want you to feel bad, JP I think the medium okay. affected The message, and that's, okay, that's cool. an important Part of this, so I will acknowledge my own Cheapskateness For not going out and actually just buying which it, What is a, a, a well-celebrated and respected Album, so
0: Well, I mean, I, I, I think The point that I, I sort of The conclusion I sort of came to, Chuck, is I, I, do, I do Think that for the most part, you and, and Father Fun, we're, we're mostly right and I do think a lot of my enjoyment kind of come, come from, like, a lot of nostalgia and my own personal attachment to each song and things like that. Because when it kind of, kind of comes down to it, not, the, most of the songs don't even really match anywhere near the quality of, like, you know, Everlong or My Hero, like, not even close. Um, so with that in mind, when I was listening to Definitely Maybe, I had discovered that they were actually doing what I think Foo Fighters thought they were doing. And I remember in the last and that episode I was telling you guys like how like how I really respected Dave Grohl for just like wanting to do a song about his dog or just like you know, they came up with the with the title of the album Color and Shape because like some guy said he liked a bowling pin because the color and the shape of it. And I was impressed by that and everyone was like, oh, okay. That alright, that's whatever. But <laughs> Oasis kinda do the same thing with their lyrics in this album. There are like joke songs in this album. Like where they're just like, they don't know what to do. And so they're just like, ah, we'll just come up with stuff. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense. But it's amazing. Uh, you know, it's great because they're Oasis. Not because mm-hmm. if anybody else did it, it was just like, whatever. Um, so I think, I think that's ultimately the reason why I chose is A, I feel like I had to redeem myself a little bit. And B, I feel like this album better captures what I like about rock music. Uh, more so than what I've been who I've been saying my favorite band is for <laughs> for like over a decade. Um so that's ultimately why I chose it. And then my initial thoughts. So I think this album is a lot like Nirvana's Nevermind and that isn't just like two or three hits with a bunch of filler that only appeal to an established fan base. I think there's something uh truly amazing and we're talking about in each and every song. Well, maybe not Dixie's Dinner. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, song about lasagna. Um, (laughs) uh, But, you know, it's very much like I said, it sort of captures what I love the most about rock and roll. And I think it's uh, the idea of being in the moment. And like I said, you know, when they were they were recording this album, they didn't know they were going to become rock stars. They didn't know that it was going to be an enormous hit. They thought they were going to do okay. Um, So when when with that in mind, you know when Noah is is writing all these songs, and they're recording all these songs, like the thought is just like I'm just gonna do what I like. I'm just gonna do what I think sounds great. And so you know you have songs like Cigarettes and Alcohol, which Noah said like if I I wouldn't make that song today like at all because it's kind of like really inappropriate, according to him is like it's not really radio radio friendly. But like when I was making that, I didn't know we'd become famous like right away. So it's almost like you get like this spotlight shine on you as you're just kind of being really vulnerable and raw, and I think that's I think that's what I love the most about this album is that it's an album made by nobodies that became like 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 like, like legendary at least at least in the UK, <laughs> you know, because i have seen all these things like it's the greatest album of all time. Um, and uh, so, yeah, th- that, those are my initial thoughts. I guess that's all I can really say as, as far as initial thoughts go. Um, and I think I, I enjoy sort of what the album kind of er- er- inadvertently became. The story is like things are really shitty right now, mm-hmm. but they're going to get better. And I kind of see that in the album and what they're singing. And uh, also, just sort of, there's like a, like a simplicity to what Noel was doing. You know, he talks a lot about how, like, you know, you hear all these artists talk about, like, you know, they're inspired by like Pink Floyd's B side track, of this hidden album, whatever. And he's like, I just want to listen to Eye on the Walrus 20 times in a row. <laughs> and he's like, that, that's my inspiration. Um, and you know, we'll talk about like the songs and stuff that I, I found to be really interesting. How, he, how his his process, how he came up with some of them. And so, uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that's that's JP and Oasis. And now, uh, I think the the more interesting part is I'm going to open it up to to you guys, uh, who would like to go first? Amy, do you want to go first?
1: Sure. Okay. So is all, my is that, relationship uh, with Oasis. So my first favorite band ever. Um, was the Beatles. Yes. So early in my, my um, you know, taking music in and picking what I liked and didn't like, I just painted them with this, like, non-Beatles brush. You know, they were Britishy. they kind of, like, had the look. Something interesting, too. So how many members are in the band?
0: Uh, when definitely maybe it was made, it was five. Five? Um, to yeah. me,
1: it's like these two guys, you know, and I just watched some videos this week. And I was like, oh, yeah, there is a drummer back there. You know, so it went up to three for me. So I don't know where the other, where the other musicians are. What is with that? Like, it seems like they're showcasing the brothers and then these other people are falling way back. I don't know so what. I, you
0: know, I, I don't mean, under I, those early friends. videos are so weird. Um, I don't I just don't think the director knew what he was doing. Even Noel has said like those those videos, like like the Live Forever video. Noel apparently hates it. Um, yeah. he's like the guy who directed on these videos, he just didn't know what he was doing. He's just like making it up as he went. So like, I don't know. I, I think maybe this, the director, the director of this video, so some of those videos just kind of saw like, uh, only, uh, we only care about Liam and Dole. So,
1: right.
0: which is yeah, yeah well. unfortunate, but because everybody else in yeah. the world is like really talented. That was
1: initial. But,
0: yeah.
1: So now, you know, a friend at one point early this month sent me the live forever video and was like, Oh, I've been listening to this song lately. Um, and he's, he, he's a good friend of mine. He's just coming out of treatment for some lower sort of risk level cancer. You know, it was like an early kind of stage with high levels of success, you know, but he went through, you know, a whole process that was very intense and coming out of the other side of it, he sort of like picked that song up. He's been an Oasis band for a long time and it sort of like shown like a sunshine like in his life and he was just feeling like That's amazing. alive again. You know what I mean? So he shared that song with me, and then I vibed with it, and then I shared that song on Instagram, which is on this album, from Spotify. And I was almost wondering if you saw that share. Did you see that a couple like I weeks don't, ago?
0: I don't remember. I don't know. I, one of the <laughs> they, Instagram stories, I just scroll through off. them, because like, I'm, like, I'm so OCD. Like, I had to get rid of all these red circles.
1: <laughs> yeah. <clears> throat> throat> so, so it started there. then... You selected the album, and I've listened to it a few times. My first thing was, like, if this is excellent and house cleaning music. It kind of helped me, like, get in a zone and get a lot of stuff done. Nice. Um, but I, I wasn't able to kind of go deeper into, like, the lyrics and the story the first couple spins. Got it in the headphones, and it may be some of like that digital quality. I think if I had a CD in my car, it'd be easier. So then I really sat down with it and actually read through the lyrics. And one time of doing that, like, you know what it was like? It was like when you're trying to, like, look at a magic eye picture and you're not quite getting it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like, the whole image just kind of, like, moves out at you and, like, you're seeing it. And now I can't not hear everything. So I've gone in this whole journey um, with, you know, through this album. It's It's good. So to me... Uh, first of all, the title definitely may be, I'm a sucker for great album titles, yeah. and that one is, like, super strong. And I think that it sums up a lot of what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way that I'm interpreting it is sort of, like, it's that that sort of moment of, like, hesitation when, like, something in life comes in and inspires us. and makes us feel like we're more and better than we've ever been before, and we're, like, all in, totally on board, you know? but then our doubts creep in and our fears creep in and we start to hesitate and pull back and we go back into that maybe. So it's that sort of like timeline in between our, um, excitement and urgency and then like the pulling back of hesitancy and needing to kind of regain composure and reground. And so I think that that's kind of what the love story is that I see in this album is kind of this guy, you know, who, who has probably like big dreams and is kind of living in the moment, you know, but his life kind of sucks, you know, in a lot of ways, like it's uninspired and, you know, cigarettes and alcohol, you know, a little bit dirty, probably got a lot of dirt under his nails and sleeping in late, you know, kind of, I don't sense that he really is super pleased with himself, but then, you know, love comes into his life and he goes immediately from like that polarity to this like almost, um, almost like delirious kind of state of love in his mind. And I hear that in the live forever video where he's like building up and he says, you know, he's getting all excited that he feels like he's met his match and he says, maybe, maybe you're just like me. And we see things that no one else sees and then Mm -hmm. goes all the way up and you and me are going to live forever. You know? And he's like in this like high in the sky cloud moment. Um, You know, but what I feel like about this guy sort of kind of seeing that back and forth that he's jumping, the question is, like, what of this can he really substantiate? You know, like, what is um, real? Because, like, I do believe in the power of love, you know, and I do think that this was a process of, you know, if this is, if we're looking at this as, like, a story, you know, Mm -hmm. from start to finish, um, Mm -hmm. it was sort of a process of love awakening a soul, but then that soul needing to integrate you know, be inspired that I can be something more and life can be even more beautiful than it's ever been before, but then to ground it, you know, into reality and like take himself and bring it into it. You know, and and at the end of the story, like I think that the truth of what can be substantiated in that in in between, you know, the um, idealism of all we can be in love down to like our nitty gritty human selves with our, Bad habits and mm-hmm. farts and yeah. bad breath in the morning. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, it's somewhere in between. You right. know, it's somewhere in between. There is the truth. So that's the journey I went on.
0: That's interesting. It, it's it's interesting that you talked you talk about it as sort of like some of the songs are about like uh, like relationships. One song that I thought was about like being in love turned out to be like they were just tripping on acid and they don't know how to describe it.
1: <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Which
0: is Columbia. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but it's, I don't know, I think there, but I think there is something there, because like you said, it, it's kind of about this guy's sort of like kind of dingy life, and I mean, that's the life they were living, right? Like that, and, and Noel has said, like, the, you know, the album's about basically just drinking and, you know, dating and doing drugs, like, that's what, that's, that's the music, that's it, that's it, like, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and then when they got more popular, they learned to, like, behave better, probably, and that's yeah. why the album mm. was so good, well, because they were behaving you don't think so well no i I think Noel was was probably behaving
2: yeah (laughs) yeah Noel was definitely behaving liam was was never behaving (laughs) that bad boy he's famous famous for his uh for his sins yes
0: yeah (laughs) well that's great i i I really i really like that uh that that interpretation it's really cool uh father chuck i am so interested in here What, what you have to say
2: so uh a couple of things so um i'll I'll talk a little bit about my my relationship with oasis because i was surprised when you picked this because i was just like oh yeah jp's picking oasis and then when it was definitely maybe i was like huh not what's the story morning glory which is their most famous album Mm -hmm. um so as i mentioned earlier i watched a lot of mtv um in secret Mm -hmm. um i grew as as we all did growing up in a very similar in a very uh similar kind of christian environment where mtv was not allowed Um, so I would watch a fair bit of MTV, uh, like when my mom would nap on Sunday afternoons, I would have it on low volume. Um, actually I got busted. I I think I've shared this story before, but I got busted watching MTV in the middle of, um, I think it was Lollapalooza. It was either Lollapalooza or, um, Woodstock, um, 96. It was Woodstock 96. Um, I was watching and it was the it was during when Gavin Rosdale played Glycerine in the rain um, by himself, which is this, yeah. like this is the other time, Amy, where like I realized I was watching history happen in front of me. And one of the most powerful and beautiful performances, because he could have been struck by lightning and killed at any moment while playing the song. The um, microphone would have electrocuted him. <laughs> yeah, it was or his own guitar. Yeah. yeah. And um and it was like kind of in the middle of that performance or right after it my mom came out of the bedroom and is like, what? Um, Worth it, but yeah. But yeah. so during the, uh, so during the summer, um, so mom, um, you, you know a lot of this stuff now. Um, my mom who was one of them, he was a very faithful listener to this podcast. Um, I was, uh, I, when she would go to work in the summers and I would stay home during the day, I would watch MTV like all day long. Like that's just what I did pretty much is um, wake up late, watch MTV, make myself lunch and all this. Cause you know, I was only child a single mom, so she worked and all that. So, um, so and I would alternate between VH1 and MTV, um, depending on what was what was playing. And um, um, this video, the video for Wonderwall was the first thing I, ever, I the first time I ever encountered Oasis. And um, I was allowed um, to listen to the Beatles growing up. My mom was a huge Beatles fan. So like you, Amy, when I first saw them, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is like the Beatles. And it just immediately grabbed me. You know, the The Wonderwall video is an iconic music video. It's all black and white, except for a couple of spots of color. Um, Liam Gallagher is wearing little round John Lennon style sunglasses. And so it just has that. It just has that that aesthetic that immediately it's grabbed me. It's funny
1: because it, that turned me off. But it sounds like it turned you on a little bit.
2: It did. And I, I think part of it was because it was it was like a quiet sort of, oh, if they're drawing on this sort of Beatles thing, like maybe like this is something that it's OK for me to listen to. I don't know. but. I and I just I loved I loved the use of the acoustic guitar in that song and I loved the um and I loved the chorus and just the melody. I mean, it's just it's just a very great timeless song to me. Like it's just it's just a good just great song no matter what. Um and um so that was that was when I was <clears throat> so I, I I saw that <clears throat> you know also saw the video and everything for Champagne Supernova, and. You know, Kurt Loder would come on and talk on MTV News and talk about Oasis from time to time. So I was just always kind of aware of them as like being like a big deal and being a well-respected band. <clears throat> and so they were artists. They were it was serious music. Um, and so I always paid attention to Oasis. Um, later, when I was able when I got a car is when I started buying CDs on the lamb, like i would buy non-christian music and keep them hidden in my car um and uh one of the the, the first oasis record I ever bought was the master plan um not not morning glory um i bought master plan because it has their cover of i am the walrus and i it's my i love magical mystery tour it's one of my favorite beatles um records and i love i am the walrus one of john lennon's better weirder songs drawing deeply from Lo- lewis carroll's poetry by the way um and so um, I listened. So that that was my that was my first exposure to their music outside of the the, the singles from um, from What's the Story, and they were a much more a much more like harder rock band than I expected them to be. Yeah. Um. I expected their sound to be because like my the the Beatles, the type of Beatles music I listened to, um, um, at that time was like you know the White Album. Um, um, like Rubber Soul, the Beatles is a little more like, you know, downplayed obviously then like their experimental type stuff. Right. Um, which still has a bit of a clean sound. It doesn't have like a dirty sound to it. Um, um, and so, um, I was just surprised at that, you know, th- uh, about that, about the band. And then, um, since then I've bought Morning Glory and listened to it several times, but I never really listened to Definitely Maybe. So... When you picked this, I was, I was like, oh, cool, like, I'll have a chance to listen to their first album and hear what they sound like to begin with. Um, and so the, uh, my first impressions of listening to it is that it's funny to me that, that, that they get compared to the Beatles all the time mm-hmm. as a band because they sound a lot more like the Rolling Stones. Um, you know, there's a much more obvious blues element to their music that has a lot more in common with the Rolling Stones have been doing with their career than the Beatles ever did with their career. Um, and the, um, the, so they, I was, so the, the things I was struck by were, was the, the, the blues elements and even some country sounding elements, mm-hmm. um, slide guitars and that kind of thing being incorporated in the music that, that um, for British rock is surprising. Um, and, so the thing about British rock is, you know, British rock, of course, rock and roll is invented in America. Um, it had kind of died out in the 1950s and into the early 60s. And then the, but it grew in, the, in, in England, in the UK. And so when bands like the Beatles kind of became popular, they had sort of filtered this American musical tradition into this British context. And uh, you had bands like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones who were basically trying to do like bluesy type stuff. Right. The, so Oasis is firmly in that tradition of British of British rock and just like classic British rock. I mean, just they're not, you know, they're not like where the Beatles were going, which was, um, you know, very studio oriented in their for a lot of their career and doing a lot of weird stuff. Um, You know, they were much more in you know, Oasis is much more in a vein of like, maybe not as hard rock as Led Zeppelin, but just straightforward as Led Zeppelin, Mm -hmm. you know, bluesy, you know, just, you know, the who um, those kinds of those kinds of bands, just much more in a, in a solid, what we might even say like American sound. Um, and, and definitely, maybe definitely (laughs) has that, has that, um, that firmly as a part of, of what they're doing is that it is very, very much a, um, a rock and roll record right? and not trying to be anything else than just straight up rock and roll. Um, and so the, and then the last thing I'll say about that though, is that, um, is that in listening to it, I did have a little bit of a feeling um of of what people have talked about in regards to movies like John Carter or even Ghost in the Shell, like the remake from last year is that so many other so many other bands have been influenced by what Oasis was doing at this time mm-hmm. that it was hard for me I had to kind of put my headspace into the early nineties to try to to try to hear what they were doing, yeah because because I realized, and I think I mentioned this on, on an Instagram comment to you, that like I realized listening to this, how many of the early two thousands rock bands, particularly British rock bands, I listened to, were basically just aping what, what Oasis was doing in this t- in their time period. Like I could hear, I could hear no, like tone, like like elements of like Franz Ferdinand, um, oh, yes. the music. Um, even like the Killers, which I was very worried, but like the Killers, and even you know a little bit more electronic, but like the like the, the the bravery. Basically, any band from the early two thousands that you could imagine that the members were wearing, yeah, where they're kind of wearing suits on stage, yeah, um, are are kind of ripping off what what Oasis was doing at this time period, and which really like in the in its moment in its context is significant because you know, up at that point, right? Like everyone was carrying, everyone was worried about grunge. Everybody wanted to know who's the next Nirvana. Like who's, you know, oh, they're going to be the next Pearl Jammer. They're going to be the next this or going to be the next that. And here comes this band that is not like, yeah, they have a grungy element to what they're, to what they are, but they're not trying to like, they're not, they're not, they're not as punk influenced as like Nirvana. They're more blues influenced which again puts them more to me in more of a stylistic footing with bands like The Who. Um, yeah. I, I think there's some Sex Pistols in them though. Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, like when we get to, um, is it up in the or Supersonic? Which one or Up in the Sky? One of them is like really a punk rocky song. I'll have to go through it again, but um, but yeah, they I mean, they, there, is, there is some of that there. I, I won't deny that because it's. You know, they're they're kind of pulling in from a whole range of British music tradition, mm-hmm. um, including including punk. But I feel like their punk elements are not as front and center, right? Yeah, yeah. And and that's kind of surprising for the early '90s when all the record companies are trying to basically put—they're all trying to find their Nirvana and push that out. Well, and at least at least in the U.S., right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, here's this band that you know on the cover, they're like. You know, one of them's in a blazer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's wine glasses on the ground. Like it look- and you know, they're in a London flat. Like it looks a little bit like even though they're sound and where they were like actually at this time in their life, they're a dirty they're a bunch of dirty club rat kids. Yeah. Um it it looks it doesn't look like what you know we had been seeing on in TV at that point. Right. And for it to be as huge as it wound up being, obviously it was bigger in the UK than it probably was in the US, but it is, that's a, that's a, that's a really, it's just, it's just a fascinating and, um, and just an interesting thing to have to, you know, kind of put your head space, you know, to kind of be in when listening and, and engaging with it, of just how unexpected Oasis was in their time period. But looking back at it, like to me like it's the most 90s thing ever. Yeah, it is. <laughs> they're, they're 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 so they're so definitive of of the, of the 90s music scene, but they were but they were at the time. I mean, again, like when did this album come out? This came out in what? Like 93? 94. 94. Okay, so let's see. Nirvana Kirkab- came, or, Kirk- Nevermind had came been out f- 92,
0: right? Yeah. And it had been 4 months since Kurt Cobain killed himself.
2: Okay, right. So um and so Yeah, this is, I mean, this is when things are starting to get experimental um, in in terms of what people are engaging with in in music. Um, um, It's not all just flat grunge, but still, like, I mean, you know, the famous thing about Nevermind, about Teen Spirit, is that, like, the week before Teen Spirit hit the radio, um, the number one rock track had been Winger, um, had been a Winger song, and... Here comes this sound that's completely different, and to think that the wider rock landscape at this time had kind of very narrowly defined. Doggy, doggy. Um, big fan, big 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 winger fan. That dog. <laughs> it's like, hey, hey, you <laughs>
0: shut up about winger. <laughs> um, winger was the greatest band of all time. You don't know what that week was like. <laughs>
2: But it's, you know, but anyway, um, so those are those are my. I could keep going about just sort of my my generic my no, general thoughts about this stuff. And um, um, but I will say that it it, it 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 to me Oasis fits this 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 important spot in between what grunge was doing on in, in terms of music, uh, in terms of popular music, and what bands like Radiohead had started doing, which is to get really weird, yeah, <laughs> and out there. Um and so Oasis is in this in this place where it, it's a it's a good it's a good bridge between those two extremes. Yeah. and um yeah. and I and I, I I like it. It's good. Yeah, a couple of things I want to
0: address. The first thing I want to address before I forget them was um, you're talking about like how much influence there was, uh, how much the influenced like a lot of like early two thousands bands and sort of bands around the same time. Um, you're definitely right because apparently, according to Noel, the, uh, their lawyers. Came to them many times to be like, we could sue this band, we could sue this band, we could sue this band, and Noel was like, no, nah, I don't care. I did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so he 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 never had a desire to to kind of go out of it because he felt like I I did the same thing. Like, you know.
2: We well, <laughs> one one other thing I do want to say about Oasis and we're talking about that kind of thing too is um, it, the pop culture consciousness of them at the in the in the mid '90s was that. The, the the brothers gallagher uh really disliked each other yeah, and yeah, fought very i mean they they it was like the police if you know anything about the police I, I um they they fought you know the, the the police all three members of the police publicly fought with each other particularly um the uh sting and um adam i think and uh and so like it was just like a that was just like a, a thing you, they were known for it's like if you got them in a room together they, they they kind of hated each other and that's the thing noel and Liam particularly Liam toward Noel, it seems, hated each other, but they were in a band together. And that story about when, when as I remember it, Liam being a bit of a diva about not singing and Noel taking, taking it on. And so Liam being really pissy about that and yeah. telling him that it was a crap performance. And, you know, like I think he threw a beer at him at one point. He
0: did throw something. I, I forgot what it was. I think it, I think it was like a, like a beer, like an empty beer can or something.
2: And he like booed after every song. <laughs> and it's you know, and that whole thing of like, I mean, Liam's Liam's ego is so famous. I know. Thinking that you know he that there's no way this band could carry on without him. And I remember like Kurt Loder and others talking about like, well, maybe Oasis actually could. Like, turns out Liam's very talented, and he's actually able to sing, and he's actually able to do. I mean, Noel, sorry. He's a- able to actually do a lot of this stuff. It, it, isn't, it isn't all just Liam Gallagher. And then really, I think it seems that maybe Noel is much more the brains of the operation. Oh, totally. I mean, Noel is the songwriter
0: and lead guitar. Like he is yeah. like, that, that's like the heart and soul of a band, right? Like, and, yeah. and, and even though Liam is like the, you know, he's, he's his vocals, his vocals are awesome. Like he, he is what makes them distinct.
2: Right. It's I mean, it's a relationship sort of the who right between, you know, Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey. Right. That, you know, Pete, Pete Townsend is the is the he's the he's the brain. He's here. To, he's the creative force behind the who. But the who needs Roger mm-hmm. because without him, it's just it's not the same. Yeah.
0: I'm interested in Amy, like what your thoughts are on. I don't know if you looked into the Gallagher brothers or anything like that or like. We think so much, well. Yeah,
1: I'm really enjoying the conversation. I kind of came here today with like more questions than answers, really? because I'm in this like fresh, sort of eyes wide open place about it. Because it's that's just not a musical group that I really know very much about. You know, I've never really dove deep with them. So
0: yeah, I'm the, I'm the same way. You know, I had like become kind of an Oasis pro <laughs> the past two weeks, yeah. which was really difficult. Yeah, that's what
1: I'm loving about like the music mayhem and just kind of the concept of like, you know, it's like it's like the Like, the benefit of, like, a book club, essentially, you know, where everyone kind of goes and has their personal time, you know, with the artwork and then comes back and, like, discusses. And then you get to see, like, other levels of what's happening.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. So let's talk about uh, the singles. Um, There's four of them. And I'm going to – I'm just going to kind of go in order of, like, when they were released to the public instead of, like, how they're numbered on the album. Uh the first one is I guess sort of like their there's kind of signature song
2: uh Supersonic. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh what did you guys think about that song? Well,
2: when I when I listened to it, I thought that um it was I, I was surprised like, oh, I know this song. Like that's where this comes from. Like it was just because I, because mm-hmm. I, I, when I was going through the track list when you first gave me this album or first picked the album, I was like, I don't know if I know any of these songs actually. Mm-hmm. And then I was surprised. I listened to like, oh, I know this song. And Supersonic was one of the first ones where I was like, ah, oh, I've heard this plenty of times. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. good song. Um, really, really great, really great song to introduce the world to Oasis because it is, um, it is very. If 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 somebody were to ask me like, what does Oasis sound like? I'd listen listening to Supersonic. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's it's a good like through line for their for their entire sound, um, you know. I mean, like again, like you know, their the big songs are things like Wonderwall, but I don't think that that's really indicative of their overall sound. Like because as JP pointed out, if you listen to only that and Champagne Supernova, you get this sense that they're a bit more of like an acoustic, you know, yeah. like acoustic bad rock kind of band, and not really kind of a kind of a grungy blues rock band. Kind and like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Supersonic has that. Mm-hmm. It tells you that's what they are. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I think that one of the things that is, you know, quintessential about Oasis' sound, and like you said, this is the perfect song to point it out, is like the way that he like draws out a Mm -hmm. lot of the words, like he has this kind of like, sounding like a cat, like it kind of sounds like a meow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I find that it's one of the things I appreciate about Oasis, because it is kind of like unique to the group, and at, the same time if i have a headache as i have quite a bit this week i can't it's the reason i can't do oasis with a headache like it does a thing to me when there's some tension so um
0: well do you guys know the story behind the song no it's pretty funny um so apparently they were going to record uh, the song up in the sky as their first single uh but for some reason they couldn't get the drums right uh it just wasn't coming together in production. By the way, they, they had like a lot of apparently they had like a lot of production problems while making this album because uh, creation was like going out of business and they didn't have very much money. Uh, so they ran up into a lot of problems but it came out great. Anyway, so they're trying to they want they're trying to record up in the sky. Drums aren't really coming together. Um, they didn't have anything to record for their first single. So Noel just kinda goes into a corner and he just starts writing. And he says he, according to him, he says he wrote the lyrics to Supersonic in like half an hour. And then later, right after that, he just started composing the riffs and the chords and stuff uh, with his acoustic guitar. And uh, the song was written, produced, and recorded within the span of a day. Mm -hmm. And he said that um, apparently the the demo version of the song is actually like identical to what was actually released because they thought it was like so perfect. Uh, But the funny thing about like the meaning behind it is like it's all because he's just like in the corner just like writing it's like just stream of consciousness like when he's talking about elsa i know i know a girl named elsa they were talking yeah. about a dog that frequented the he's talking about a dog that frequented the right. studio That's who cool. had like who had like horrible farts
1: <laughs> i love this because i do stream of consciousness writing yeah. every day and i have for a long time like had my fingers crossed that eventually something will come up yeah. <laughs> so I'd like to know that, you know, because
4: this is a big deal. Hey, Matt. Hey, am I here? Oh, hold on. Oh. There you are. Yep. This is my very professional recording spot. Now. <laughs> Welcome. I mean, you I, sound
1: like you're on like a video call from the year 2000.
4: I'm, a, I'm in a tiny corner in my bedroom. <laughs> Can you see me? <laughs> I'm in a tiny corner in my bedroom hiding from my children who are home again.
0: Nice. Okay. Well, all right. Okay, so uh, we talked about Supersonic. Uh, funny backstory: he wrote it, stream of consciousness, and it came out as their their big single. Uh, the one after that is uh, Shaker Maker, which is one of my favorites. Um, do you guys know the story behind that one?
2: I did no research for okay, this. All right. I want to hear okay, okay. Okay. you. Are, okay, all your, right.
4: Your question of whether we know the background to Shaker Maker is making Chuck shake his head. All right, so do you remember the... I Mel- just want to point out the pun there. Cause... <laughs> and now I got rid of Chuck. I've only been on... Oh, There you go. <laughs> Guys, goodbye, it's lady. a new record for me. <laughs> this is a new record. I've only been on like three minutes and two people have left the podcast since I came on. <laughs>
0: you're like our Liam right now. Like, yeah, it's what I do. Yay. Um, um, so, okay. Well, all right. So do you, do you remember the melody of Shaker Maker? Da-da, 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 oh, yeah. That,
4: that's the um, I, I Want to like, Give the World a Coke. That's yeah. I like to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they, they use the same melody as that, that Coke ad for the song.
2: Did, that was intentional?
4: Yeah. That's awesome. Because uh, I, that, I was like, I want to uh, get the Oh, okay. Coke.
0: Yeah.
4: Yeah. Um, but is it, what, what is the, the song? It's I want I want to make. I want to get the world to sing in perfect harmony.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: that's, that's the yeah. One yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. The one that Don Draper <laughs> came up with. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's <not> the original <laughs>
0: tune, guys. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, that's, it, it, the melody comes with the Coke song, and the rest of the lyrics of the song are actually, it's kind of like all about. Advertisements, because in Mr. They talk about Mr. Clean, Mr. Soft. I guess well, Mr. Soft is like a British thing. I guess um, Mr.
1: Sifter, I believe.
0: Mr. Yeah, Mr. Sifter, Sifter. That 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 lyric was supposed to be Coca-Cola, but they didn't have the rights to. And that was, and actually Coca-Cola was just a placemaker. <laughs> or just a placeholder. And they were on their way to record the song, and they asked Noel, like, "Did you come up with a lyric to replace it?" He's like, "No." He's like, "We're <laughs> gonna, we're, gonna, we're we're about to record the song. You know how many things?" Like, don't worry about it. And, then, yeah. and like they were walking to the studio, and they walked past this store called Sifters. He's like, "Ah, got it, Sifters, Mr. Sifter." Perfect.
1: <laughs> Can't let these things slow you down.
0: Yeah, and apparently, a shaker maker is like a toy from the '70s that uh, Noel had. That I, I don't, I didn't, really, I, I didn't look up what a shaker maker was, but that's like a toy. But like the whole song is about like advertisements. So. And even though it's not really saying anything about advertisements, it's just kind of made up of advertisements and i think it's i think it's brilliant and i, and I love the the melody of the song and
1: mm-hmm.
0: i think it's cool what do you guys think
1: i just really love how he says the word me yeah.
0: every time <laughs> liam has to like put a spin on every single word to like
1: i know yeah he can't just like have he... <laughs> a normal way of saying it. it's like you say me but i say me <laughs> something like that <laughs> yeah
0: i think he said in, in the uh was it was it you that said it sounded like he was meowing
1: Yes. Yeah, that, he does sound that, that, meowing that's often. kind of the
0: same thing. In
1: the song yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Just pop some cat ears on them in the video. I have this whole like story in this album, and now I'm like, did I just like make this all up? Especially how it ends, and I'm gonna you know, let you do your thing. Kind of, uh, well, but it, the last couple of songs, it is this kind of like back and forth. Like it reminded me of how Matt was saying that he'll create playlists that are like the chronological theme of events and that's how I read this album like it feels like a chronological sort of kind of like a concept album nine months of this guy's life or maybe three years of this guy's life yeah that's how I hear
0: it well I think like Noel is so stream of consciousness in his in his way of like writing his songs I think that's it's kind of like what it's it it, it is a story in a way it's just like right and way he's just like documenting his life his thoughts right you know right um so, okay, so the next single was uh, Live Forever,
1: mm-hmm. which uh,
0: I guess, I think, I think that's, like, their their all-time great is Live okay. Forever, um, at least on, like, the British charts and stuff. That's the one song that everyone thinks is, like, the best Oasis song ever. Hmm. Um And it's, I, I think it's great. And I know we talked about it plenty earlier because uh, I know that you like it so much, Amy. Um, just some little little factoids. Uh, Liam Gallagher doesn't know what it means. Uh, so stop asking him. Mm-hmm, like uh, Black again. <laughs> yeah. I know. It was supposed to open with baby instead of maybe. Uh, but according to Noel,
2: uh, he refuses to write any song that has the word baby in it um and do you do you think do you think that's why he opened do you think that's why wonderwall says i said maybe like probably. it's an like emphasis like i said maybe
0: <laughs> i think i do think it's funny like
4: their two most famous songs have a maybe in it. <laughs> I, I would i'd be I interested like, like when he when he's in a relationship and they're having a baby does would he write like the song that we're having a maybe
3: <laughs> like He
4: refuses to say the word he baby. Just, no, no. When I said I refuse, I just don't. I don't like the word baby
2: at all. Like, uh, I just despise it. We're having a baby, <laughs> it's guys. It's the way people feel about moist. I just don't like baby.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: um.
0: So yeah, "Live Forever" is, is a great song. I, and and I think there there's sort of um. When, when Noel talks about it, he sort of talks a lot about the. Uh, we'll see what nobody else sees, is sort of the point of the song like it's it's about like when you have friends and you're really close to somebody you kind of see the world you kind of like try to see the world from the same point of view but like you Mm -hmm. see it and like nobody else around you can see it the same way. that does that make any sense like is that yeah
1: Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, it's part of like the bonding i mean we move through the world all the time and we see like lots of people but the people we're closest to generally tend to see a lot of things the way that we see them
0: yeah and like I said earlier, uh, the music video. Uh, everybody in the band hates the music video. Yes. Uh, which is funny because you had <laughs> mentioned it. Amy that like you didn't, they, you saw the music video, and you were really disappointed or something, like.
1: Well, like I said, it looks like it. They shot it in one afternoon, <laughs> and they wrote the concept of it in five minutes. So they're like, especially because like it took what, like a minute and a half, two minutes before they really broke ground on that dirt. It was like the pitchfork over and over again, right. and then finally. They dug this grave
0: <laughs> yeah uh, it's it's weird, uh the, yeah, the, apparently like the director like was just kind of making it up as he went along, which I think kind of describes a lot of independent nineties uh
2: music
1: videos yeah
2: yeah, the music video medium of the nineties is a very fascinating thing because yes. it
1: it's optional to a degree,
2: yeah, but like you needed it in At the nineties, like, you yeah. had to have yeah. a video, yeah and but
1: you could kind of sort of half ass it as long as the music was good.
2: Right. And I it's it's I, one of the things about like 90s videos is, is I love that we could like a music video could just be uh, yeah, we're going to have the band in a warehouse with a single light bulb mm-hmm. swinging over their head. Right. Like yeah. as in the Gone Away <laughs> video <laughs> it's from it's Offspring. Done. Like we're just going <laughs> to do that. That's <laughs> there's a lot of those.
1: It's like if your band hasn't done it yet, at least do it once, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. or like like <laughs> I will put Counting Crows in like a gray room with a bunch of like Trees covered in paper mache, and they're gonna do like that light writing thing. And eh, it's uh, it's a long December.
0: Like eh, there we go. i we get it. You're Tim Burton fans, whatever. Yeah, Um yeah. My my favorite my favorite '90s music video. I'm gonna say not my favorite, but like one I really love. That that's like so '90s. Is that "Letters to Cleo video? Um What's that that song they did? Was it Sunday Morning? I don't know. Yeah. It's it's so weird because like you could tell like they had no idea. What are we gonna do? How what do you, how do you make a music video? I don't know. Like, hey, here's a frog. Let's put a bunch of eels in a fishbowl. Uh, and then, like, this girl, she's, like, in overalls. And she's, just like, in a forest just singing, like, da 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 And it's, like, no one knows
2: what they're doing. We have film. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, or, like, or, like, let's stick Jewel in a public restroom. Yeah. <laughs> and we're just going to have people doing things in stalls. Like, that's. <laughs> oh, I love 90s music videos. Um, Lisa Loeb is just gonna run through
0: an empty house. <laughs> <laughs> right. So okay. So let's move on to the next one. The, the next single was um, "Cigarettes and Alcohol."
2: Love that song.
0: Um, wait, is that all of them? Yeah. Cigarettes and alcohol. So okay. So you love that song, Chuck? Tell me why. Because
2: it's so filthy. Like, <laughs> just its sound. It's, it's sound. It is the it is the. It is the audible, like, equivalent to being in a room full of stale cigarettes and alcohol. Like, it just, it sounds like a filthy dive bar. And So, I like cigarettes and alcohol because it's dirty. It's a dirty song. It's, it, it, it makes this band that has this kind of reputation now of being kind of a very, like, you know, like, because of like Wonderwall. Wonderwall has just made Oasis people think of Oasis, they think of Wonderwall and it's this sort of non-offensive adult contemporary song now. Yeah. Um and this is this to me is like, nope, this is this is where this band gets their start. They are they are the kind of, they they played in grungy gross nightclubs. Um again, kind of like the Beatles. The Beatles are a very sanitized band for a lot of people these days for getting so the Rolling Stones, so people see them as like these you know oh it's what my parents listen to like it's just sort of like oh it's just sort of rock generic music but they all got their start doing like i mean what is it like brian epstein with the beatles like made them wear suits because like prior to that they were in leather jackets and playing in these like gross like literal underground german clubs and and um and brian epstein is like nobody's gonna listen to you if you guys are like like this like you have to you know they like they had to put them in suits to sanitize them like we and so we forget like the roots of a lot of these groups is that they were you know this is kind of the opposite of like what we talked about with Insync. like this wasn't put together in order to like look you know like they weren't trying to be radio friendly mm-hmm. and it's because they didn't think they would be <laughs> right and so this this song is a perfect reminder of 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 those roots like these were not this was not a group of people that thought that then like they were going to be playing sold out stadiums in a few years. They, they were playing a song about cigarettes and alcohol because that was what was around them
0: all the time. Yeah. It's also their most uh, overtly uh, political song. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the lyrics I kind of want to point out that I really like, is it worth the aggravation to find yourself a job when there's nothing worth working for? Right. Uh, you could wait for a lifetime to spend your days in the sunshine.
2: You might as well do the White Line. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> got
1: to make it happen.
2: Well, and it's it it's it kind of and it, and it kind of resonates with, like, you know, again going back to the Beatles because they get compared to the Beatles so much, is that it's easy to forget that the Beatles were these four guys from Liverpool that did not necessarily come from money. Um, and so like on, on revolver, they, they record a song called tax man, which is like, Oh, it's a fun kind of upbeat rock song, but it's really about how like Mm -hmm. the tax man is like ruining people's lives. I mean, Mm -hmm. and so again, like when, when, like, when like these bands sneak these kinds of things in there is it's easy to kind of overlook it. Right. And to realize, Oh no, no, no. Like this is music born from a particular economic situation and reflecting that reality and that, you know, that sort of dispirited feeling. I mean, you know, black Sabbath is a good example of another British band that is, is um, really rooted in the very dystopian. I mean, there, there's of course a much more overt, you know, the, the, the collapse, the collapse of the, of the industrial of industrial society um, around them. But you know the the yeah the, the 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 impact of that in working class England is still a big part of the rock of the rock and roll scene, and so for for them to still reflect that again, it's easy to you know you think oh this is a song that like white dudes sing, you know at the bar out loud. This is the Oasis is that band. Everybody's just like yeah, I
3: wonder, whoa,
2: <laughs> forgetting that like you know they they come from a very different place. They used
0: to be those those people getting drunk in those bars singing this.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs>
4: Best way to honor them. Yeah. Really. Totally. <laughs> All right. I'll give a really quick, uh, be honest moment since I missed my first reactions um, because I don't have exactly any specific thoughts about this song, and I don't mean this as a comment on the band or their quality of writing and music. I'm just going to tell you my brain sort of like nickel backed this album. In the sense that it all began to sound the same, and I kept realizing I'm not actually listening, and I had to like back it up again.
0: Flip this table, it's too heavy.
4: So, I it is not a comment on the band. When I did zone in and listen, I liked their music, but I definitely found that this for me was like background rock and roll. Like, I want to drive to it and have it playing, but I want to drive to it and have it playing while I'm like. You know, headed to work and thinking about okay, when I get there, I got to do this, and I got. Um, it's it's kind of like a good background. It's like if you had a literal soundtrack to your life, like there's music playing constantly. This would be a good one to to put on and let it go while you're going through life. Um, but my brain has merged all these songs into like one endless song, and in my head, it's just it all sounds. Which one? It, it all it all sounds it all sounds the same. Um, I'm sorry. I don't. Wanna, I don't want to. I'm not talking. No, it's just kind of that. funny. <laughs> Matt's like, yeah, it's good to have out in the
0: background. Meanwhile, when I listen to this album, I like. I lit a candle. I laid on the floor. I looked up at the ceiling, and I like. I, Meanwhile,
1: <laughs> I just had an entire romantic relationship. <laughs> All of the ups and the downs and the frustrations and like the yeah, you know. Well, I think peace, it's. I think the, that's
0: well. That's interesting because I think I feel like the way. The way you're seeing, is just how they feel about drugs, Amy. Like, I think they just really love drugs. <laughs>
2: no.
1: The last song is Married with Children.
2: It's
1: not about drugs.
2: Which, uh, JP, did you listen to this on the disc, or did you listen to this? I, listen, I have to listen to everything on YouTube. Because so. I didn't know if I was curious to find out if Married with Children was a secret track. Because it, cause it feels like, cool. oh, it's not okay. No. Yeah. Which, um, by the yeah, way, yeah. can we acknowledge... Can we acknowledge the loss of the CD means the loss of the hidden track, and that's very sad. Yeah, that's true. Yes,
1: that's true. And it's not the only loss too, but we all know that sitting here. Yeah, <laughs> uh. I won't open up that can of
0: worms. <laughs> okay, <there>. um, so <laughs> let's let's get into our, our faves if they haven't been mentioned in the uh, in the singles section, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna do it real quick. Uh, my first favorite on this track is Columbia. <coughs> Um, that's the song where, like, I thought he was singing about, like, oh, I love this girl. I don't know how to, how, I don't know how to describe how she makes me feel. Turns mm-hmm. out they're just tripping on acid.
3: Okay. And the well, the he's
2: talking about
0: his love about for, about for Lucy and the Sky with diamonds. <laughs> they couldn't yeah, figure out.
1: Yeah, that's not one that jumped out at me.
0: It's, it's kind of a funny story, of that song, because apparently, like, it's, it's a song that was made specifically for the instrumentals of it, because you can tell it has this sort of psychedelic sound to it. Mm-hmm. And uh Liam hates it <laughs> because he doesn't really get a moment to shine to like two minutes into the song. Um and, and also they're just like, well, this thing is also just be instrumentals, but here's some lyrics you can sing. <laughs> but like I said, yeah. when they were recording it, they were tripping on acid. Um so but but I love that song. I think it has a great sound. Uh the next one that is my favorite is uh Bring It On Down. Um which is I actually posted a few lyrics last night on my Instagram from this song. Um, Yeah. I'm that guy that posts that posts lyrics on his Instagram. Um, That's the one that sounds like the most punk rock to me. That's like, that's, Mm -hmm. that's the sex pistols coming through. That's like, that is uh, just, just face melting, amazing rock and roll. And I love, I love, I love the lyrics. You're the outcast, you're the underclass, but you don't care because yeah. you're living fast. You're the uninvited guest who stays till the end. I know you've got a problem with the devil sends that the devil sends. You think they're talking about you, but you don't know who. I'll be scraping your life from the sole of my shoe tonight.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Man, that is vicious. Um, but like, yeah, that's where that's also when I realized like this is not what I who I thought they were at all.
1: To me, this one feels like he's this is like his own personal self critic. Yeah. When I hear the song and like read the lyrics, I don't feel like he's criticizing someone outside of himself. I feel like hmm. this is kind of like self
0: kinda of self self destructive, sort of like yeah. hating yourself you kind of thing. That? Yeah, I could see that. Um so that's one of my and my last favorite um is slide away, which uh which is also yeah. like a super hard uh, great song that I just I just think it's cool like I don't I don't have anything deep to say about that one uh, I just I just think it's really cool <laughs> and one that's that like, like makes me laugh and, and like I couldn't believe like what what is what is this song doing on this album is is Dixie's Digsy's Den- Dinner um I don't know if you guys listened closely to that song
1: <laughs> yeah that song perfect I mean
0: what a life it would be if you would come to mine for tea I'll pick you up at half past three we'll have lasagna
1: yeah, because it's like the simplicity. <laughs> Again, I'm looking at this as like this whole different, you know, because it's like, we're, especially when we're getting to know someone new, first of all, a new sort of love coming into our life exposes new parts of ourself that we maybe weren't aware of, you know, uh-huh. or we're kind of like opening up and blossoming. But yeah, it's like every day there's sort of a different version. And when you have some beloved out there that you're seeing yourself as like as a contrast against our background, you know, and kind of like bouncing ideas, things feel fresh. So the digs, what is it, Diggsby's Diner?
0: Digsby's Dinner.
1: Yeah, to me, it's like more about just inviting someone out about lasagna, to me, it's like, it's, it's the next step, you know what I mean? It's having been exposed to intimacy, having gone through the whole thing, mm-hmm. the high hopes and the doubts and stuff, and then the simplicity of that next step of saying, well, like, let's get together and have lasagna and see where it goes <laughs> <laughs> this is funny you know because like I,
0: they, because they, like, it's, it's, it's 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 very literally about a friend they have whose name is digsy and they just think oh. he's really funny and they he made lasagna <laughs> <laughs> oh my
1: goodness
0: i think no but i think it's great no this is this is this is like this is the, the death of the death of the author conversation mixed with it's like your your own kind of interpretation sort of mixing into one I don't think you're mm-hmm. wrong. Like I don't think it's wrong to divine all these things, Amy. Like I think it's I think it's actually really cool, um, but it's also like it's I don't know. I just think it's funny that lasagna is a yeah. lyric in a song. That's because I hate lasagna. lasagna
1: is not the lyric of a song often enough.
0: I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Chuck, what are your thoughts on on Dixie's dinner? Uh, you, what, you,
2: <laughs> I mean, I, you know, considering I, I guess Garfield must like it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, hates Mondays, you know, loves Oasis.
4: I I had the thought, but I was like, nope. I'm gonna be the bigger man and not make a Garfield reference. And Father Chuck jumped in and stole my dad joke. It's that's, fine. It's okay. It's such a John
2: I, Arbuckle thing to do. I will say, I mean, yeah, John Arbuckle. Um, I love Garfield. Without Garfield, by the way, it's so dark. Yeah, that's, um, that's creepy. <laughs> I uh, Garfield minus Garfield. If you've never seen Garfield if you've never read. Garfield, minus Garfield. Check check that out. It's like now. It's, yeah, it's um, it, it is it is Garfield cartoon strips where they've erased Garfield and it just becomes about the existential dread that is the life of John Arbuckle and it <laughs> is it is it is very dark. <laughs> um, and it, and a, the funny thing is, is that there's no there's like they don't like turn it. It's just it's just John Arbuckle. Um, but the. Um, uh, since you're talking to me, I, I don't have any thoughts about Dixie's Diner, but I do. I will say that the one the one song that I the one song that I do really like that, that I think of is um, Rock and Roll Star, yes, um, the first song on there, and part of it is. So I misheard the lyrics. Um, I, I thought the <laughs> lyrics were um, the first time I listened to it. I thought the words were "I live my life for the stars and stripes," <laughs> and so I thought it was a satire on American. Like rock and roll, because yeah. it's a very American rock and roll sound. And I thought it was a satire about just sort of America. But as, I, as, as I'm as i parsing through it, I'm like, I, I still kind of hear that because even though it's I live my life for the stars that shine, not the stars and stripes, um, the fact that he's talking about getting in his car and driving real far, that's not something you can do in England. Right. Really? You know, that's a, that's a very American thing to get in a car and drive. Hmm. Um, and... And so I I, I, and I still kind of see it as rooted in a very American um, mindset that is it, it, to me I I hear it as a British commentary and even maybe satire on on an American mindset of like I'm afforded the ability to be to see myself as a rock and roll star I'm afforded this opportunity to kind of I can get in my car I can drive and think and I can have this imagination that um, that that. Is something that a lot of people don't, and you know, particularly in the world, don't get to experience because of the the luxury of space and the luxury of, of of those sorts of things. That again, like you know, we're very isolated, individualized type people who can you know get in our car and drive, and we can be with our own thoughts. And a lot of a lot of that's not something you get to experience other in other places. And so, like the, the idea, I mean, just right there, the 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 fact that the song references driving in a car to me makes it indicate that it's not really a british song
4: mm-hmm.
2: in that regard i mean like you know i, yeah, does, I, I get that I is that something that. that i know british people said that they're very fascinated the way americans <laughs> fetishize automobiles mm-hmm. and so to, to 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 make a reference to that to me makes it and because they've gone through the, the, the trouble of of really sounding like an american rock song with that is you know and, and
0: yeah and it's interesting. i think it's interesting that it's the first track on the album you know because it's mm-hmm. about it's about being a rock star it's about like i'm gonna be a rock star. it's almost kind of like a pursuit of the american dream sort of idea yeah. kind of fantasy thing you know um so uh i don't know who else wants to go in terms of like their favorites Do you have any more chuck they're your favorite yeah no, that was really because we talked about i mean
2: the, the the singles were the really standout tracks for me i mean okay. i also liked married with children but i didn't have enough time to listen to it to have d- deep thoughts on it
0: yeah i'm actually the same way <laughs> but like, i like the, song. Uh, I the uh, sound of it the only thing I really know about Married With Children is that apparently it was recorded on one of the producers' uh, bed. Like, they sat on his bed and recorded it oh. at his mm. house. Uh, that's all I really know about it.
1: <laughs> <I don't laughs> on know. a quiet afternoon.
0: Amy, do you have any thoughts on any any, uh, any favorite songs?
1: Uh... Right Away is my favorite. I kind of prefer it to... Like, to me, Like I would say for myself personally, that's the best song on the album. Which one? Slide right Away. Oh, Okay. Lighted away, Um, yeah. Married with children. Again, like looking at it from my point of view of this like whole story, it kind of like polishes off, real nice, and it's um, a a little bit melancholy. I feel you know, like the vibe of it. Where again, like where I said at the beginning, where like the truth of this love story is like somewhere in between. You know what I mean? It's a little more homey and feeling um, cozy, but also maybe. A little bored.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I loved it. It was a fun album. I'm looking forward to hearing more of their stuff. But yeah, I like that also. You know, like we explored that when this album was like pulled together, it was before they launched into fame. So that kind of gives us a fun picture of like who they were before they were stars. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like who they were as beings humans yeah <laughs> and i think it's
0: it's interesting because uh from my kind of a sort of research into the fandom and stuff uh, apparently according to a lot of fans um you know the first you know the first two albums are really great and and people really love them and they're very, very much cherished but like if you really want to like if you want to kind of explore further, like you, the way Oasis really grows on you is by exploring their their, their B sides, uh, like which I think is what the master plan is, right, Chuck?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I think. That's just, and their yeah. and their cover their cover of "I Am the Walrus" is like all time. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah it's it's great. I, I heard, I've only heard that one rehearsal run, but I should, I should listen to the recording. Um, okay, so I think that's um, I think that's a good place to to leave off. What do you guys think? Um, I think we've uh, I, I, already... I,
2: I definitely maybe
0: like the album.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so do you, my, are my, you guys are you guys gonna go out and kind of like uh, rediscover Oasis after after listening to this? Is my
4: my favorite my favorite track?
0: Yeah.
4: <laughs> <You forgot them. laughs> my 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 favorite track is is Wonderwall. And it's and it's when Ryan Adams does the cover, um, so.
0: What are you doing? Why are you here? I don't what are you know. Doing I told here? Look,
4: what? last thing I'll say. Full disclosure. I text JP and I was like, look, man, I'm sorry. I don't think I have anything to contribute. I don't know if I should even come on. And he's like, no, just let me know when you're on. This is his fault. I'm sorry. I'm so I'm so sorry. You, know, you
0: just you, you come so on sorry. here and you're unprepared and you just want to like you just you just want to so just want to wreck everything. You want to wreck yeah. everything. Why do yeah. you? Yeah. What's wrong with well, you? Well, it's the wrong what's...
4: it's the wrong album but anyway. But seriously, Wall by Ryan Adams. Listen to that one. No, That's don't don't talk about Ryan, Ryan Adams my
0: on my episode of Oasis. Look, look, don't like
4: Oasis did what you covers of other people's songs and they were. S- Chuck said, like, The Superior. So somebody did a cover of theirs, and it was Superior. I'm just, I'm just
2: what is this? I have to it's check that. I don't have ever heard uh, Ryan Adams's cover of, of Wonderwall.
4: It's one of my all-time favorites. It is the original Pandora playlist I started was off that song. Okay. And that playlist has been going for, like, seven years. Right.
2: Speaking, of, speaking of excellent covers of other people's music... Um, you all should check out, um, there's a band, they're, they're a Korean-American Korean band called uh, Run River North, but they began their career um, as, um, as a Monsters Calling Home. And their, their, their self-titled EP contains a cover of The Killers' Mr. Brightside that is unparalleled. Nice.
0: Cool. Well, everyone go check that out. Uh, I uh, <laughs> and also, uh, check out definitely maybe. <laughs> out de- definitely, <laughs> maybe listen to it.
4: Like, <laughs> definitely.
0: All right. Well, guys, I want to thank uh, I want to thank everybody uh, for for particip- for participating and for all of your wonderful insights. Thank you so much uh, once again for joining us, Amy.
1: You're welcome. Good journey.
2: And um, thank you, Father Chuck. <laughs> well, really quick, do we need to do we need to share what's going to happen next for Music Mayhem? Uh, I kind of want to
0: keep it a surprise okay surprise. <laughs> uh, it's well I'll just say it's not over yet folks that's that's what I'll say it's not over yet um, but keep listening Any, anyway uh, thank you Father Chuck you're welcome and I
4: guess thanks man I'm sorry <laughs> I'm ashamed thank you for joining I'm us I'm in the I'm in the corner what else do you want from me
0: Thank you for joining us. Uh, Listen again next week. Good journey.
2: Good journey. journey. I'm off off to go see Godzilla King of the Monsters, guys.